not even necessarily a like fancy remake. It could still be 2D and whatnot, up res the graphics a bit. I would pay a hundred dollars for a version of Xenogears that had the budget to finish what they were going for oh. originally. Like, but like everything's yeah. still on PlayStation. Everything's still kind of you know. Maybe but, make the graphics oh. nicer and whatever, if there were any glitches, iron them out. But, you know, it's kind of famous. Like, the second yeah. disc was kind of a mess. They had, what, the characters sitting in rocking sitting chairs. Sitting in rocking chairs, and there was, like, monologuing and pendulum swinging. Yeah, and, like, there were screenshots behind you, like, we had this giant battle. Yeah, we wandered through this factory. It's like, I don't remember that. Yeah. And, uh, like, I wanted to play that. Yeah, I, like, that sounds like a badass bit of gameplay. Interesting. Yeah. Like I, I would have said like a Xeno Gears remake, but actually yours is much more interesting. Yeah, I don't know if I want at looking. I haven't played Xeno Saga, but I, I'm okay with it just being kind of the same game, just finished. Remember when we did that? Hey, I recommend you play a game, and you recommend I play a game, and we yeah. play each other's game, and you yeah. told me to play Xeno Gears. Yeah, and I. And we were sitting and talking, and I was like, boy, what happened? Did they run out of money or something? And you were like, they ran out of money. I said, yeah, funny story. Yes. <laughs> They, they ran out of money and time. Like, it was just deadlines and budget were both creeping up towards expiry. Yeah. <laughs> so. so, yeah, I'd pay $100 to see what that was originally supposed to actually be like in a perfect world. I'm right there with you because we've both replayed it very recently and mm -hmm. I thought it was still great. Yeah, I really thought there were, were a lot of charming elements to it. Definitely. You, you've played it a lot more, so... But, like, yeah. it, it grabbed me even being... 10 plus years late to the party. I really, uh... That's right, yeah, mine was a replay, and yours was a first time, huh? Mm -hmm. Okay, good. What else yeah. did you have? I'll get another obvious one out of the way. Shenmue 3. Oh, yeah, good choice. Yeah. Shenmue uh, 3. Shenmue th there's not much I have to say. Like, Shenmue was so good and realistic, and uh, realistic doesn't necessarily always mean good just by itself, but it was... It was different, and it gets a lot of, like, this is boring. Like, a lot of people say that it was boring because of that, and sure, they're entitled to that. I didn't find it boring. I found it exciting because uh, I wasn't in Japan in the 80s. I was there, fired up my Dreamcast. It was like what I'd look and turn it on Shenmue and walking around this. And now that I've been to, like, rural parts of Japan oh, yeah. and parts that look like they have not moved forward with time in mm -hmm. quite some years. It is scary how good that game was. Mm -hmm. and how I, it was, you know, games are all about a different experience, and that provided one that was unlike other games, and I would love for the story to get some conclusion, because I won't spoil anything for you. I will. <laughs> but but they, they don't end very conclusively. Yeah. They're kind of cliffhangers. It was meant to be a trilogy. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I would like to see kind of a Shinmu take on rural Japan, kind of as a counterpoint to what the Yakuza series does with urban Japan. Because, I mean, you, yeah. you wander around these environments in Yakuza 3, 4, 5, and you're like, wow, this is uncanny. Like, if you've been, oh, to, yeah. if you've been to Osaka or Tokyo or any of these places... Oh my goodness, playing Yakuza 5 recently, which goes to Osaka, a place where we've spent a lot of time, mm -hmm. how well they got that down. Yeah. So to see that, but with, you know, some podunk Japanese village, like, that would be really cool to see on a modern console. Good pick. All right. Uh, I'm going to stop with the RPGs for a minute. I'm going to go ahead and say I would pay $100 for Double Dash 2. Oh! I'm talking about Mario Kart. Yeah! For the GameCube. Double best Dash, Mario Kart. The best Mario Kart. Now, or at least the last Mario Kart to do versus battles really well. Yeah. 
I think that's a really essential component of Mario Kart that Nintendo has just not gotten correct in maybe any incarnation since Double Dash. Yeah, it's like they've been fun, but not that level of fun. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, the racing in Double Dash was also phenomenal, and the ability for two people, one kart, yeah. I'm the driver, you're the punch people guy. Yeah, the second <laughs> I mean, player... That was really cool, and it, you know, Nintendo's one, this company that's, like, really inclusive, like, Mario uh -huh. Galaxy had the, oh, well, you've got someone else, they can use their little Wiimote to pick up little stars for you, like, yes. a kind of a, a, you know, someone else who's not the primary driving force in the gameplay, but you can get a buddy in and still play with somebody, like, that, that experience in Mario Kart was pretty cool. Not yeah. that I'm implying that you were, like, the useless... Oh, I was, though. I was useless. Yeah, no, I, I was not nearly as good of a driver as you. Uh, so we'd have you drive the car, and I would shoot stuff. <laughs> and if you have two-player in the cart, a new ability opens up. The, the, the ability to punch people and take their items when they're next to you, you can't do that in single-player. But if you have a second player on the car, controlling the same car with you, then he can do that. And uh, it can also stabilize your vehicle. If you're about to slide oh, off the yeah, edge of Rainbow Road... You saved us a bunch of times with that. Yeah, you're going around a turn, you're like, ah, uh, you can see, like, one set of wheels is going off. Mm -hmm. oh, punch the opposite direction towards the track, and you can right yourself. And that, that was really cool to do. Yeah. And for the versus battles, I mean, there have been some okay modes and stuff. The DS... Mario Kart was marred by the, like, oh, hang on, after it starts, we oh, gotta blow up our balloons. Gotta blow Are into the finished? microphone. <laughs> hang on, mine's not inflating. And like, then, like, try rubbing it back and forth over it. Like, yeah. it's working for me. It's not working for me. Yeah. So, I want, so I want a Double Dash 2 with all of the versus modes that made Double Dash great, especially in battle. Shine Thief was good. Bomb on Blast was the best. Yeah. That hmm. was... I've never seen anything like that since. And the the kids love that. Oh, when we when we have uh, everybody little, loves that. The, like a party's over. Everybody's kids play that one. That game is older than these kids, but they're like, "Wow, mm -hmm. what kind of Wii is this?" <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but then they yank their controllers around. <laughs> yeah, they, they <laughs> like, do the. Yeah, they they're like they they begin steering with them and like. This isn't doing shit. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you you got to use the arrows there or the stick, and uh, and then they also forget that there's a cord like plugged into a console, and they start yanking it around. I'm like, ah, yeah. So give me Mario Kart Double Dash Two with two players, good versus battles, and some of the modern stuff like make the power sliding feel as good as on the Wii or Wii U version. Give us more than sixteen tracks like the Wii U version has done. So yeah, that's what I want. Absolutely. I'm gonna bring in some vaporware. I'm gonna bring in some okay. vaporware, kind of like Shenmue Three, I guess. More vaporware. Bioshock Vita. Bioshock Vita. Yeah, cause Bioshock was great, and then the the Bioshock guy, Kevin Bioshock, was he had. There's this famous picture of him on a stage with a Vita, and he's like. Guess what's coming to to Vita? It's Bioshock. And then later everybody was like, Hey, you know, you haven't said anything about Bioshock Vita. And he was like, Yeah, well, you just hang tight because it's happening. And nothing has happened since, of course. Huh. It's been Last Guardian. Speaking of games. <laughs> yes, speaking of games we'd pay $100 for, The Last Guard. If you could put a copy of it in front of me right now, yeah. 
Yeah, I don't think there's much more that can be said about that one. Just yeah, nope. Yep. We'll just throw that in there. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Bioshock's great. Um, I've been playing Borderlands 2 on the Vita. Apparently, it was really choppy and shit before the patch. But I had the patch with me since the first time I played it. It performs really well, and I love it. And so there's one first-person shooter-ish game that I've got, another first-person shooter-ish game that I want on my Vita. Mm-hmm. Bioshock Vita is my next one. Good. Back to you. Back to me, huh? Unless you want me to keep going. Okay, so another thing I had on my list here was Odin Sphere 2. Ooh! But... With some caveats, it doesn't have to be a direct sequel in the story or whatnot. I just want an Odin Sphere-style game out of Vanillaware, where it's control a number of characters in an action RPG-ish setting without the lag. Yeah, that lag, man. <laughs> and recycle less content. I really liked the kind of Norse mythology motif that they had going on. I loved the story where you would like watch the ring of Tetrell pass between all the characters and you could see where all the scenes on the timeline were. That was really great and I love the mechanics. So make it a little bit more progression-y. Cut the lag. The lag was the worst thing about that game. It really was. Like, other than the lag, all of my complaints are really mostly nitpicks. It's hard to think of another game on PS2 with such severe Mm -hmm. lag and so terrible frame rate drops. Yeah. It's like back in the day when when dropping frames was pretty rare, especially compared to today. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, every game had a moment there. Not every game. Some games had a moment there or with this one particular spot. But boy, that game. I I think when I first encountered it, I put my controller down in disbelief and said, this is like the Super Nintendo when, you know, you got too many sprites on the screen. Uh But I absolutely adored playing Own Sphere Lag and all. And Vanillaware makes really tight action RPGs. Yeah, they do great work. Yeah, I mean, I like that uh, Muramasa the Demon Blade, but that was a little more action-y. And, you know, that's great. But I I want something more action RPG-ish. Dragon's Crown. Dragon's Crown. Dragon's Crown was also phenomenal, but Dragon's Crown is more of just like a arcadey dungeon crawler beat-em-up. So I want something more of an action RPG. No lag, consistent story with characters that you can follow across different... Yeah, Oatsphere had a much more serious story than Dragon's Crown, it seems like. Oatsphere was almost theatrical in its story. You know, it it felt like a stage play or something. And not in a super awful, hammy JRPG way, but, like, actually it felt, I don't know, it felt like a performance. And not some guy in a booth is performing a thing. Like, (laughs) he's doing these lines so he can go on his lunch break. But, you know, it, (laughs) it, it felt like... You know, I'm not going to claim that the voice acting or what or the script in Odin Sphere was the best thing, but just the way that all of it came together, it felt really. The storytelling is kind of an. Uh, oh, sorry, I kind of cut you off. That's okay. What Good. were you gonna say? I, it was you were just reminding me how the storytelling is such like an underrated aspect of Vanillaware games. Yeah, they they always do a really good job of it. Uh, often assisted by Atlas USA localization, they they always do this this great job of weaving a good story with interesting characters and uh, and dialogue and stuff. But when we hear Vanillaware games, it's always about these great gameplay systems that they've got in place, and deservingly so. Yeah. You know, uh, Odin's Fear and uh, Grim Grimoire and Dragon's Crown, those have great gameplay, but, the, the, like, the way the characters move in the background, the visuals, and these Odin's worlds Fear that they an create. amazing soundtrack, too. Yeah. I, I absolutely adore that soundtrack. Yeah, I would pay a lot of money for an Odin's Fear, too. One. If not in name, but something, an Odin's Fear-like yeah. With no lag and all the other stuff that I've mentioned. Vanillaware games, they always seem to share these common threads and visual style, but are often still very different beasts. Yeah, anyways. 
More things I won't get on my Vita. Hockey. Hockey. EA Sports is run by dickbags, and they they will not put a hockey game on the Vita. I, I liked, I played NHL 07 on my PSP. I remember that. I liked it a lot. It was a nice little game there. Yeah, it was nice. Like, and, you know, it only had the one analog stick. It lacked triggers. But for the controls that were there, they made a good hockey game. And that's all I need. Yeah, you know, when I'm on the road... You don't expect the full console experience. You just want no. a hockey game, but portable. Yeah, be fine. You know, let it play exhibition games and maybe, like, some versus. Yeah. If you they... don't need the whole, like, be a superstar. Put yourself in the shoes of a superstar player. I didn't even do that on the console version. Like, when I saw that in NHL 14, I'm like, no, that sounds stressful. <laughs> like, I'm not going to do that. It's right. like, yeah, that that, that, it... that was the description. <laughs> it was like, live the life off the ice. I'm like, why the fuck would I want to do that? <laughs> Oh, that sounds horrible. So nothing would be lost by cutting it for a portable Does version. money shoot out of the console at me? Because then I could use it to buy Final Fantasy VII when they charge me 300 bucks for it. But, yeah, EA Sports did an interview about NHL games on the Vita, potentially, and the answers they were giving were copied and pasted within the same interview. Mm. I've seen copy-paste answers among different interviews with different websites, and it's like, okay. But it was like, question number one, why is there no hockey game on the Vita yet, when the Vita's uh, two years old? And his answer was, well, we at EA Sports value the blah, 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 blah. And then the next question was, have you considered getting additional funding, perhaps from Kickstarter, for a Vita NHL game? Well, we at EA Sports value the blah, blah, blah. It was the literal same answer and it's like that's embarrassing what kind of son of a bitch do you have to be how much contempt (laughs) how much disrespect how much pure unfiltered disregard for your audience do you have to have for you to just basically take a shit on an interview about the series you're basically saying to the interviewer and all of his audience uh this is a waste of my time And, honestly, I'm not interested in changing things. I found a way to print a paycheck, and I'm just going to do it. And it's business. You do have to make money. You can't go making stupid investments. I get that. But can you not try? It's (laughs) like, with Kickstarter, what's... I mean, with crowdfunding these days, great. If you set a goal, if EA Sports says, okay, we need a million dollars. If we get a million dollars from you fans, then we'll sell the game. Okay, great. If you don't get your million dollars, don't make the game. But if you do, well, cool. Now you can officially afford to sell way fewer copies. Hmm. Anyway, but I'll never get it. I'll I'll never get a hockey game on my Vita, I've realized. And that kind of makes me sad. That sucks. Yeah. I mean, I even had them on Game Boy. I had had hockey on a Game Boy, and a Game Boy Advance, and a PSP, and now I've finally got, like, the best handheld system that's ever been made, in terms of power. Mm -hmm. The best, most powerful gaming, dedicated portable. That's where the hockey train stops. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm gonna go a little bit obscure here. I would pay $100 for, I'm sure the band has long since broken up, but I would pay $100 for a quintet game, another quintet game. For the people who don't know what Quintet was, they did a lot of really cool games on the Super Nintendo. They did Act Razor, Soul oh, Blazer, Illusion of Gaia, and Terranigma. And then I think on the PlayStation they did the Grand Stream Saga, which oh, I've never yeah, played. Oh, yeah, that wasn't very good. Yeah, I've never played that one. But <laughs> we, but, we had that, yeah. <laughs> but their Super Nintendo material was gold. I don't know if Act Razor was a launch title, but it was pretty close to the launch, and I still hear people talk about it. 
it was just this really cool game, you know? All of the quintet games on the Super Nintendo seem to have this thread of, like, light versus dark, good versus evil, but not in a super cliched way, more in kind of an interesting, yeah. like, divinity reaching down wow. through an avatar to help people. Uh, Illusion of Guy is one of my favorite games of all time, period. Uh, Soul Blazer just, like, tickles the developer brain in me. It's just, uh-huh. I love the piece, how it all slots together, like you fight monsters and you unlock things to release pieces of the town to open up. Uh, Act Razor was... That sounds almost like Time Stalkers on the Dreamcast, too. And Act Razor was a side-scrolling arcade game followed by, like, town simulation building where you fought monsters and directed miracles to the earth to help your people expand. Yeah, all of those games that you named are totally brilliant. Yeah. I was unaware of the developer. Yeah, Quintet. Um, yeah, sorry, I didn't get that immediately. You're like, more Quintet games! <laughs> and I'm just sitting here like, okay. Because <laughs> uh, I'm playing Omega Quintet oh, on, ugh, on the PS4, and I'm like, what the hell? No, I, no. And I was like... Surely she can't be talking about that, because I've played that game, and that sucks. But, oh, you meant the developer quintet, which made great games such as Terranigma, yeah. Illusion of Gaia, Terranigma's another one that shows up on a lot of people's, like, best of Super Nintendo lists. Wait, it's so interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting. So, I know that it's impossible, like, uh, the last game they released was almost 20 years ago, well, not 20, yeah, and it's... <laughs> At least 15 years ago, and it's... But if you could press a button... If I could press a button... Bring them have, back to life... Bring that spirit, yeah, whatever kind of... Whoever, not that they're dead, sorry. Yeah, I imply that they're, like, dead there. Oops. <laughs> but I meant restore their bodies and minds to the states they were in in 1992-ish. Catch them up to speed on how to develop for current-gen consoles... Yeah. And turn them loose. Yeah, whoever was designing those games, I want them designing more games. Now, the indie scene has kind of risen to the occasion to fill some of these gaps. There are a lot of, like, Metroidvanias especially have been really catered to by the indie developers, but yeah. I haven't seen anybody outright, like, ape quintet games, and I think they should, honestly. I would pay a lot of money to somebody if they just were like, we made this game and it's totally just a rip-off of Soul Blazer. I mean, a good rip-off of Soul Blazer or something. Yeah. I would, I would pay money for an experience like that. And and not a small amount of money either. Huh. So, uh, indie devs, if you're listening, get on that. I'd pay more than 10 or 15 or whatever you're making on Steam. Like A good game is a good game. A good game is a good game, absolutely. So, yeah, give me another quintet-style game and I would pay $100 for it. Speaking of a good game, you know what game was good? What game? Klonoa 2. You know what else is on my list? Klonoa 3. 3. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just going to say Klonoa 3. We were on, all right. High five. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so... So Klonoa was good, I thought, the first Klonoa game. Yeah, the game. first Klonoa is, I think the first Klonoa is the more famous of the two, and it got that Wii remake and stuff, and like, it was good. Yeah, it and was. After, and two came out on PS2, and then there were a couple of games on the Game Boy Advance, and then there was like Klonoa Beach Volleyball or some shit. W- was it sexy, like Dead or Alive Beach Volleyball? <laughs> w- were Klonoa's pants like almost falling down? And then they do fall down, but a beach ball is bouncing by... <laughs> No, but uh, the, the more recent Klonoa games, like the Game Boy Advance ones, they use the Klonoa mechanics well, but they're more puzzle-focused. Yeah. Like, I gotta use this yeah, guy to I open remember this that. thing, and tra- you, it's more like traversing areas without a whole lot yeah. of danger. And Whereas Klonoa 2, mm-hmm. it wasn't Door of Phantom Isle, that was the first one. What was the second one called? Lunatea's Veils? Yeah, that, that's the one. That one was more action-oriented, like, there's a big robot chasing you and you gotta run. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and there were puzzles. There were puzzles, There were puzzle absolutely. bits, but it's like the the one that you're referencing was 
Yeah, I'd love a third one. I really would. Mm-hmm. I like both of those games. Yeah, I think that the guided 2D style was would still hold up today. And I think oh, yeah. That, I yeah. think that that would... I don't know if that would help development costs necessarily, but that's got to be easier than trying to develop a fully, like, 3D road yeah. Klonoa. But, yeah, the mechanics for Klonoa were so simple. You can jump, you can grab guys, and you can throw guys to give yourself, like, a jumping boost. And that was it. But they made some really devilish puzzles and some really, really tough-as-nails uh, platforming sections also. I say this, I think I 100% completed the PS2 game, like, got 120 gems on Uh every level, including the Tent of Horrors or whatever, and it was some impressive design. Like, the levels levels were fantastic, the environments were fun, the music was great. Oh, everything about it was just so good. It was kind of cute. It was cute, yeah. The surfing sections. I loved those. I loved the surfing, oh, like the snowboarding the, the levels. Le- yeah, the levels. Those were like the the Donkey Kong Country minecart levels. Mm-hmm. Where I, <laughs> I looked forward to them, and they were the most memorable. So there, there's what I went with. The last one I have, the last one I have written down was a Mitsuda Curtain Call. A Mitsuda. There's Final Fantasy Curtain Call, Ooh. which has delivered some great things. And we're going to have some real good fun with Dragon Quest Curtain Call. When that comes out. When it comes out. Is that next month? It's soon I think it's like... This quarter for sure. It's in March, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Because February is Dragon Quest Heroes. Mm-hmm. And there's some Mitsuda stuff now available in Final Fantasy Curtain Calls. Theaterhythm, yeah. Theaterhythm. Curtain Calls, DLC. DLC. Oh, did I say Curtain... Yeah, you Whoops. said Curtain Call. Hold but... on. <laughs> A rhythm Mitsuda. There we yeah, go. Yeah, Yasunori Mitsuda has made some seriously fantastic music. Three or four of his songs have showed up as shown up as DLC in Theater Them Curtain Call. And I was jumping for joy and I bought them immediately. But Yeah, like, well, what were they? They were there was, I, the, there was like some there Chrono were three Trigger? songs from Chrono Trigger and one from Xenogears. What was the Xenogears one? Uh Soaring. Oh yeah. Da, 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 yeah the, the yeah. giant choo choo fight. The one where Choo Choo gets huge. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and what a moment in that game that I would pay. A hundred dollars to see on an upgraded piece of hardware or to see again on the same hardware if it meant anyway we've been over it yeah i would love to see chrono trigger chrono cross xeno gears those three rank among my top video game soundtracks of all time Mm -hmm. if those were all wrapped up in one theater rhythm game oh oh yeah i'd be all over it no arguments here yeah i'd be all over that I know there are some people who don't think theater is a very good rhythm game. I would disagree. I think it's it's not a fantastic rhythm game, but it, you know it's serviceable and a lot of fun. Oh, I it's had, good. Yeah, yeah. It's plenty good. It's it's about the music. Here's the thing: yeah. the music is a way bigger part of music games. Mm-hmm. Shocking news. <laughs> You know, than it is in other genres. A music game, you got, in large part, for the music. And so, Final Fantasy, these theaterism games, banking on you liking their source material, uh, yeah, good. That's the point. Yeah. I already love it. Make me love it more. And again, and in new ways. I don't care. Make my brain release the chemicals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's it. That's right. Did you okay. have any others on your I, list? Yeah, I did have Mother 4 on my list. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, but that's one that also, like, I won't cry if it won't happen. And it probably won't happen because the man behind, the main driving force behind it, Shigesato Itoi, has said, like, there's not going to be a Mother 4. It's one of those games that, like, it's very simplistic and it's got a lot of, it's got a very strong foundation and core and it's not the type of series that would fall prey to just, like, adding a bunch of bullshit because modern design dictates that you have to add a bunch of quick time events or whatever, you know. And the graphics have always been simple and the script... 
oh my goodness, the script has always been written, he would, like, speak into a tape recorder and refine the dialogue by speaking it, rather than just, like, writing it and assuming that that would sound like someone, how someone actually talks. Yeah. And, I mean, the West knows Shigesato Itoi is the writer of the Mother Games, but he's, like, an Which includes Earthbound, by the way. If you're going, the Mother Games? What the hell? Yeah, Earthbound. Earthbound. He He wrote Earthbound. I mean, in Japan, he's mostly famous as a copywriter for writing, like, ad slogans and stuff. He knows how to pare words down into the most essential core of what they can be, and he doesn't add a lot of garbage. And he's the type of person where I don't, I don't want to force creativity on that, like, force. It makes it sound like all developers have, like, guns to their heads. Mm -hmm. But, uh, that's only Kojima, but, Mm -hmm. and, and by choice, he likes to work that way. I don't know his secrets. But anyway, I don't want him to get in a situation where he's making a product that he's not personally 100% invested in. Yeah, which is why this is a pretty distant last on my list, because, you know, 3 was great, it ended on, like, a pretty solid note, and I don't know where it could go from here. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I was remembering the ending of (laughs) 3. Oh, yeah, that was... Oh, what a game. So yeah, those so are games we'd pay. So go ahead. There's, a, there's actually something else I had, but it's not really even... I'll this, throw it out this there. This is just totally ridiculous at this point. This All is right. never going to happen. Get ridiculous. All right, get ridiculous. You know how this South Park got an RPG, The Stick of Truth? And, sure. You know, people said that was good. Why not? I want something like that, but for home movies. The TV show. <laughs> the animated yes. TV show. Especially if I can play as Coach McGurk. <laughs> and, I mean, one of the DVDs... Uh, of home movies had like a DVD extra, which was like a text adventure in kind of an old timey Dungeons and Dragons. You like go into the dungeon and try to rescue the princess, or I, f- I forget what it was exactly, but like it was funny and it was great. And I feel like there's a lot of fourth wall breaking you can do. And I, I would just be extremely entertained by something like that. And I mean, that's a property that's really not coming back. And so if it had the opportunity to come back, I would pay lots of money for it. All right, and so those are some games that we would pay. A hundred dollars for maybe more. 